Uh, good morning, everyone. It sounds like we're coming through loud and clear, which is good. Um, and welcome to the 37th edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. I'm your host, Bradley Spillane, and of course, I'm joined with my co-host, uh, psychotherapist, uh, located, of course, Wentworth Falls, Bodie Marsden. Good morning, Bates. Good morning. And How it are you? It is a good morning. It is, isn't it? It is. It's, it's a bit crisp. No, absolutely. Well, it's mountains, isn't it? Uh, you know, 12 degrees, I think, outside. Yeah. Um, it's all good um, and good to be here. Um, so particularly talking about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and um, the management of that and the recovery from that and uh, do we ever recover? Uh, but, it, but one thing we know, isn't it, that once you've had an event that has changed your worldview, um, you are forever changed. Mm. And how you come to terms with that um, you know, may well have some impact upon your recovery journey. Mm. Um, so a very interesting topic this morning. Yeah, and of course that uh, brings me to uh, today's guest. I must mention also we do have um, uh, some live music today, of course, from Matt Tonk. Of course, we've, uh, I'll introduce our guest now. Um, uh, he's done two tours of Afghanistan. Um, uh, he's an ADF veteran and, of course, now he's a, a change manager. But he's doing a lot of uh, terrific stuff in the community for, for mental health, which I'll get him to go into a little bit further for you once uh, I, I bring him on. Um, but it's, uh, it is with great um, honour and, uh, and thanks that we have a terrific guest with us today, Craig Ball. How are you, Craig? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Uh, thanks, Bill. I really appreciate the opportunity to, um, to come on the program and um, share a few things and, yeah, have a bit of fun. Awesome, man. It's going to be good fun. Don't worry about that. We, um, we often have a bit of a, a laugh, don't we? we of course, we, we were going to have uh, Blue, who's also a... Uh, he's a Vietnam vet, 50, wow. just over 50 years of service he gave. And um, unfortunately, due to COVID restrictions and whatnot, um, having uh, four of us in the studio is really pushing the, the absolute limit. Of course, we're keeping our safe distance, I guess. Um, so just, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Craig. What's, um, what, what's led you to the path where you are here today? What's behind that? Uh, well, good question. Uh, I think the, the key driver, more than anything, and one of these events has occurred in the last uh, 10 days, at least for me, um, is, okay, so I got out of the military in um, 2014, and since leaving the military, I thought, you know, hopefully the funerals would stop. It's probably one of the hardest things of being a veteran, especially uh, where I served, which was probably the most busiest warfighting unit of the ADF. Um, is, uh, is mate suiciding. I've uh, to date lost six mates in a little bit over six years since leaving. Wow. And that doesn't get any easier. Um, I've always been interested and focused around men's mental health and uh, uh, particularly uh, cognitive psych since very early 2000s. Um, I practice a, a form of um, cognitive psychotherapy. Um, called REBT or Rational Emotive Behaviour Therapy, and yeah, I've always you got a bachelor's degree as well. Is that I right? do in psych. Yeah, only just finished that 2017. It was a very old oh, degree you, by man. the time I got done. Thank you. Um, but it was it's a, always been a passion of mine, and I was I've been presenting on it since before the army came into my life full time, and since I left. And um, my real drive and passion now has been driven by losing mates and. We can't mm. afford to, to let this continue if we can somehow avoid it. So mm. um, I'm pushing very hard for this. So uh, what's led me here today is uh, a desire to speak out and, and to get uh, to get speaking more about it to make um, to make it more uh, common 
yeah. you know, to, to for us to speak more about it and get it out there. So I'm on a mission to get on as many uh, potential opportunities as, as today, yeah. uh, podcasts and the like, um, to share my story and also the story of my mates. And as hopefully somehow that can resonate with somebody to at least start talking. Yeah. And of course, you know, it, it doesn't uh, discriminate, uh, you know, mental health or, you know, uh, mental uh, disabilities, if you like, or, or, or any anything relating to that, just to the military or... You know, for PTSD reasons, it can be from car crashes. It can relate to anything from childhood reasons. Um, um, both being a psychotherapist, I'm sure that you can sort of uh, explain a little bit more behind uh, the fact of what PTSD actually is through a psychotherapist's eyes. Oh, now mm, struck and you're sticking. You. I'm going to I'm going to get on the map. I'm going to get on the map in a minute. But he's, he's got to give me his late note first. Well. Um... Look, I think there's, there's kind of well-known sort of symptomatology. So hypervigilance would be one, one example where someone's had an event um, and it's, 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 it's uh, impacted their... or it's shifted their sense of what is usual or what is normal um, into the abnormal. Uh, interestingly, Viktor Frankl, who was a very interesting psychiatrist, said in 1959, um, to have a abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is entirely a normal reaction. So way back then in 15, you know, we, we've known this stuff for a long time. But we're very slow to explore the um, healing and management, you know. I mean, we, um, in a sense, PTSD is a silent wound. Well, why, um, why is that? Why are we slow to... We, it, it, you know, get into that. Why, why do you think that is? I mean... Oh, because everything's about the economy. Oh, right. so, sorry, I'm being a little bit cynical here. It's quite no. possible, though. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's untrue. Yeah. <laughs> we'll jump in when you want to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's entirely true. And I think um, it's very interesting when you consider that it took Martin Seligman till at least, I think, the 90s till they started uh, um, researching positive psychology and... It comes as no surprise. I really like Victor Frankl's book. Read it many years ago. Yeah, yes, yes um, and I think some of his insights are absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Uh, but I think post-traumatic growth is certainly something that we need to focus a lot more on. Mm, mm. And it's that's kind of a really great term for what resilience effectively is. I think because mm. I think we um, we're not like a rubber ball. We don't bounce back. Mm. Like a lot of often in my sessions. Uh, when I'm presenting to groups, I ask them what they think resilience is, and more often than not, I'll get at least a few people who will say it's like bouncing back. And I'm like, well, you know, you're not technically a rubber ball. Yeah. You don't return to your former state. You actually grow through the process, and um, that is, if you're prepared to let that in. And I think I'm not pointing the finger at anybody or any particular profession in the in the healing space, but I think that there might be some psychologists potentially out there who. Mm, I've asked them. I've asked them before. How, how yeah. long does it take before you start introducing the concept of post-traumatic growth? And some of them are quite remiss about that. They, mm -hmm. uh, it's, they take quite a long time. And I'm like, you should be talking this stuff from day mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Let them know what but they're It's a massive of. field, really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, it's, like, it's like what I, I used to say when you, when you first come up uh, and, you know, you, you get stuck in that clay pit, you're, you know, feeling deeply depressed, see your doctor. Um, and they'll put you in the right direction. But some doctors are just not across mental health at all. Um, there's doctors know. and there's doctors, isn't there? Yeah, well, that's right. So I think it, it varies, I guess, greatly from um, uh, therapist to therapist, if you like. Um, some will sort of specialise greater in other areas. 
Uh, that's kind of like the show. I get a lot of people, I've had so many people this week say, how come you don't call it mental health show or we get women on? We do. We just don't <laughs> get them on all the time. Um, it's just that that's what I know a little bit more about. I just sort of came from my area. Yeah, very know. much. I mean, and that's what I tell um, my audiences when I get to present. I know often I've got mixed groups if I'm not running mm. a particular seminar or something specifically for men. But I say to them, look, I've got a, a group that you can go and join. Sorry, ladies, I'm focusing on men at this point yeah. just because that's where I've started and that's where it's, things have picked up. Yeah. Um, no offence or anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, but just coming to that sort of thing about the medical model, I think one of the challenges is that a lot of... Um, uh, doctors, all doctors are trained uh, trained in, in to some in, extent yeah. in mm. disease. Yeah, no, what's no, wrong? Yeah. What's what's screwed yeah. up? You know, what can we do um, about this? How can we manage it? And if it's a chronic illness, um, you know, immediately the thinking as well. This is a lifelong, um, so it's all about management and about sort of making life a little bit bearable, if you like. It's not necessarily about recovery. Um, and um, I, I just want a beautiful quote: um, a shaman. Um, uh, had a client who, uh, and the client came to him and said, I'm depressed. So, you know what the shaman said? Uh, when did you stop dancing? Uh, when did you stop singing? When did you stop being enchanted by stories? When did you stop finding comfort in the sweet territory of silence? And uh, Beautiful. So great, it? it's another way of starting a conversation. Yeah, that is actually about yeah. re regathering or recovering. Absolutely, so th that just blew me away when I read that. Yeah. Um, th uh, that uh, yeah, the four I, questions. Why don't I think of that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of when you get into that situation, though, the last thing you want to do is dance. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. but I understand that's a terrific quote. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. quote, isn't it's it? A, of course, it had quote. to t come from a shaman, though, didn't it? You know, it's right. <laughs> it couldn't come anywhere. Life is to be celebrated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, absolutely. Life yeah, is a shame. celebration yeah. as much as it's yeah. also, um, you know, challenges at times and that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, suffering and celebration go hand in hand. I mean, they're part, indivisible part of a human story, aren't they? Mm. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, but yeah. the, I guess the thing that's so interesting is how... Um, tenacious our memory can be about the difficult stuff um, and that we tell more stories about the difficult stuff than we do about our celebrations because we're, we're not allowed to skite or we're not allowed to mm -hmm. um, you know, big note ourselves or, um, or um, it, it, you know, it's, not as, it's not as meaningful, if you like. That's our idea. But mm -hmm. I, I think telling stories about celebration and growth um, is sorely needed um, yeah, yeah, I agree. In terms of certainly, in terms of our narrative as a society, yeah, there's the names of the countries uh, or the particular country uh, in particular escapes me. But I know there's a country that measures its GDP in terms of the level of happiness. Wow, Bhutan, wow. Bhutan, Bhutan is it? Bhutan. <laughs> well, that is the one. <laughs> of course, Bodhi knows that. I did a stand up. <laughs> He's a, a shaman. <laughs> is Bhutan the country where they also um, have effigies to? Uh, male phallic uh, symbols as well. It's kind of everywhere. Yeah. So I did a stand-up comedy course years ago and one of, the, one of the women in the course got up to speak and her, her stand-up comedy routine was about her visit to Bhutan. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's, uh, without further ado, I guess we should uh, introduce our third member of today's show. Of course, my good mate, big brother, Matty Tonks. Mate, how the bloody hell are you? Um, I'm... 
to be honest, I've just seen a ghost of my past. Really? Just then. Wow. Wow. And Where? it's really shaken me up. Oh, man. But, you know, talking about resilience. Yeah. You, uh, you get on with stuff. You count your blessings. And you yeah. move forward. Yeah. Interesting, though, though, was, you know, when you were talking about that shaman quote about when did you last dance, you know. It just came into my mind dancing with velvet slippers on a beautifully hung dance floor uh-huh. or dancing with bare feet on broken glass. It's something that you can become used to and it can become a beautiful thing once your feet learn to deal with the terrain that they're dancing on because the terrain's always going to change. It doesn't mean you always have to be in agony as you dance on broken glass, but you have to toughen up the soles of your well, feet. Hard, yeah, harden the soles of your feet. You know? yeah. I just came with that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, man. And how yeah, you been, really how nice you been otherwise, Matt? You been well? Um, of late, no. No. No, no. to be honest. I'm, I'm, I, you don't look too well, mate. I'm worried... I've just seen a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you are I'm a little blanched. pale. Yeah. But my kudos for you for coming on. You know, there was no pressure to do that. Well, but I always know that I'm going to get some, some sustenance here. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Isn't that true? I mean, you know, we're not always at our best. And, and you know, there's been plenty of episodes where I've had the same, where I've either been in quite acute pain or I've not slept and haven't been well. So... Mate, massive kudos for you, yeah. to you for coming on blessing, the show, brother. I really appreciate it. And um, I think it's a, a terrific thing uh, for the listeners to understand that we're not always 100%. We're not always going to be that person that we can put up our mask, even if it's for, you know, going live on radio. So, mate, I'm handy, you, brother. Okay. We've all been there. Are you going to be all right to give us a song today? Yeah. You want to give us one now? Yeah, why not? Yeah, cool, man. <laughs> what have we got? Awesome. Talk to me about it. Well... Um, Craig, I'll, just what I'll do is get you to that microphone that you've got, so a really strong mic. So if you just face it towards him and I'll level out and get this sound. Matty's on his Collins today, um, which uh, you can see Matt Tonks playing the Collins actually in Santa Monica, I believe, on YouTube. Santa Monica Boulevard. So um, here's a song, I may have played it on the program before. But, um, you know, for anyone that has children or lived with loved ones, you know that it's not always easy. You know that when there's some tension and turbulence, that if you let the sun go down on that, then it just rolls on. And there's nothing quite like the pain of being in conflict with someone you love. Yeah. And um, well, I've certainly felt that. Yeah. Well, here's a song basically about being a parent and um, dealing with that, finding the strength in yourself to admit that you played a part. Beautiful. In, in that. So, anyway. Matt Tonks. It's called Oliver Wins.
we were fighting And the house was changed Somehow some voiceless thing Crept between us If the words that I said hurt you Well I take them back No question It's not too late Is it too late my nets at midnight on the shining lake memory but I don't find a single thing that would change the way I feel about you time will tell if Oliver wins all the dreams you carry Don't you feel too badly? A conscience is not for soldiers. It's what we are. It's what we are. I throw myself at your feet and I ask for your forgiveness. Well, I was just a child when, when I first. Carrying him in my mind, you're six feet ten. Time will tell.
Maddie Tonks. Mate, thank wow. you. Um, Pleasure. I can't, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult it is. Oh, look, I, I remember when I was singing, I couldn't sing before midday to save my life. <laughs> I couldn't really sing before eight o'clock at night, but <laughs> you, you, you do that time and time again, probably not long woken up. Um, you've, as you said, you've seen a ghost. It's not been an easy morning for you. And then you've been you... up since at least 11.15. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, mate, it, it, look, I want to say to the listeners that the thing about Matt um, and his music is he, he, he's written a song about each of his three children and, and his wife, and then he's written songs about family. Um, he, his music is just all about his own... Um, experiences I think uh, and his love of of certain people um, sometimes this love of people um, but it's definitely it's always I think that song in particular has set us off on a really lovely energy I can just yeah. feel it yeah. uh, in the in our conversation today so wow I know I've only just met but wow I'm, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I really feel awesome about that song. Yeah. it's so lovely so that's you. a wonderful thing to say of course <sighs> Oliver's Matt's oldest ah second eldest sorry I beg your pardon eldest Eldest? Yeah. Okay. Beg your pardon. Yeah. I thought Abby was, but anyway, just to show how good a mate I am now, doesn't it? <laughs> just see him yeah, the hallway. Man. Hi, guys. How are you going? Um, <laughs> thanks again. Of course, we're uh, episode 37 here, and we're talking to our guest today, uh, Craig Ball, um, who's an ADF veteran, of course, a couple of tours of Afghanistan. And um, I thought it'd be a good opportunity now to get you to take us, I guess, on that path um, of um, uh, what, what, why did you decide to join uh, the military? I'm glad you asked. Um, so the military uh, came into my life uh, a couple of ways on a couple, on more than one occasion. I started um, as a reservist in, um, when I was about 27, I think, uh, 26, 27. Um, I had... I hadn't made the best choices, if you like. They weren't necessarily damaging choices in life, but they were limiting choices in terms of the work that I was doing in my uh, early 20s. I was working in hospitality, which isn't necessarily a bad choice, but it, um, I found myself working in bars late night. Some, some of them were very small back then. There was a lot of smoke in the room. It wasn't healthy. Um, and I needed to start. I realised that my options were limited. It didn't appear, appeal to me to, to move into hotel management, that sort of thing. I, I realised I needed to find something new. And whilst I didn't know what the hell that was going to be, I mean, you put the average person on the spot and ask them what they want to do with themselves, a lot of people are going to be feeling a bit lost, and I was yeah. certainly in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the other, the other road, and rather than work on an outcome of where I wanted to be as a job title, I decided to work on myself and wow. thought, mm. yeah, it's, look, the military has always been about self-improvement in a lot of ways for me. Um, I decided, look, I don't know where, but I know what am I going to need? I'm going to need some self-discipline. Uh, I need to get my health in a better shape. I want to get fit. I want to do all these things. And so, um, and I want to get outdoors. That was a huge it, one. Because if you ask, I guess, a lot of um, men and women that, join any of the forces their answer might be quite different to that do you think or, oh you know, most definitely I'm, mine you know? is I, one of the nicest things one of my mates used to say to me and this guy is a he's out now he's a career guy he was a sergeant was someone I really respected he said yeah. to me you know you're the most non-army person here <laughs> <laughs> and that was often that was after we deployed and everything and I said that's the nicest thing anyone said to me today mate. thank you <laughs> no but it's I mean it's true I it's I guess it's like we have a chief inspector from uh, uh, from the police force comes on and it's it would be pretty much the same 
common answer, I think, for the police, uh, for the paramedics, uh, for the Off people of the forces. It, it's, they want to make a change. They feel that they can make a change or um, they want to feel like they're doing the right thing to serve and help the country um, or make a difference, you know what I mean? Well, going full-time, um, which I didn't do until I was 33, the decision to do that was because, well, once again, I found myself in a limited situation. I need to make some changes in my own life, but also I wanted to be part of the bigger picture. I wanted to be some, part of something much bigger than myself. Wow. So I'd um, joined as a reservist, uh, you know, got fit, trained up, um, despite my limited military experience, passed um, selection for what was then 4 hour commando in 2000 um, on the second attempt. And um, then hung around as a reservist at uh, at Mossman there for uh, a few years and then realised, you know, it wasn't really giving me what I wanted and I I moved away from that. But then uh, the bug caught me again and I had gone back to... To doing hospitality and other things to sort of keep stuff moving. I, I, by that stage, I was already done a lot of speaking. I was um, got a job in 2001, which kind of helped my reserve uh, work at that stage, working for an entrepreneur to develop myself as a professional speaker. Yeah, great. Just through networking. And it was an awesome opportunity because I guess a lot of the opportunities that I've had come my way have been through networking and, and talking to people. Um, and I've worked there for two and a half years and that was... Um, that was really giving me, you know, helped get me established. And I picked up at the end of that about 100 gigs speaking in high schools, the kids. Yep. Um, and that was the toughest audience I've ever faced. Even, you know, grumpy military people who don't want to listen to you easier than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, at the, yeah, when that sort of, that, that went right up until I, I rejoined. And, um, but I was having to do odd jobs to keep things going. Had we been in the States, it might have been a different story. I mean, it's, you know, everybody loves motivational speakers and all that kind of thing over there. What were you speaking about, though, back then? What, you know, I know that public speaking is a passion, obviously, but were you talking about, you know, mental health at all in any way? You didn't know it was going to lead to this? Quite I didn't know it would take the focus that it has, yeah. and I'm really glad that it has. But uh, one of the very first things that happened when I was working for this entrepreneur... Sure. He came back from New York and had a box of books and he said, read all of these. And these were, he'd been to the Albert Ellis Institute in New York City and um, had a session with Albert Ellis before he passed away. And he, they were all books by Albert Ellis. And I was, I was like, great. And he said, this will help form the theoretical basis of what you should speak uh, about. Right. And so I went away and read everything I could and found a course. In 2003, I, I went down to Melbourne and did a primary certificate in REBT. And uh, that transformed everything for me in terms of my outlook and way of thinking. I didn't... In the high schools, I didn't talk a lot about that unless I had a longer session. Often you get 45 minutes or an hour. Um, And so I talk about goal setting and and tell a story of... Because a really good friend of mine and mentor in my earlier uh, formative years, my early 20s, who I'm still friends with to this day, is the most incredible speaker you'll ever find speaking in high schools, a guy called Amundo Hurley. Um, And also a musician and, and... very talented performer and he does this incredible thing because he's done musical theatre and he gets the kids crying and laughing and all this stuff mm. but he told a story so I thought okay well I'll get into schools I'll start with finishing high school and, and a little bit of high school days and then to how I wound up standing in front of them and that became a, a narrative with goal setting and different elements in it um, but I was also getting to the point with that where I was getting tired of what I was talking about I still I, I needed more life experience and that could mean a lot of things for people mm. um, but for me it was the the chosen field and uh, went, came back to being full-time military. When you, when you said earlier, uh, just a moment ago, when you are in hospitality and, and the decision why you, you chose to join the army, did you feel perhaps you lacked a mentor, um, someone to, to look up to or to guide you through 
maybe that you could get it from that? Because I hear that you, by doing this with the schools, I mean, I, coming from me, I mean, I, I, I idolised my father and, you know, he guided me through my all my schooling that I was going to be an estate agent. And I guess, you know, I've got a, uh, some friends that looked up to uh, certain musicians or whoever sort of guided them. Did you have that mentor or idol in your life? Um, well, I have to say, even in those days, um, uh, Armando, my, who I just mentioned, is still a bit of a mentor for me and... and mm. um, very close friend. He was. He's probably. What age am I now? He's about twenty, at least twenty years older than me. Right. Um, so it was a good age for a mentor for me. Um, my dad had given me some great advice. My dad had been a national serviceman, a bit right. too early for Vietnam, and did about ten years as a reservist wow. after that. So he was. But the military sort of goes throughout a fair bit of my family. Right. Um, both sides of the family, so that was a bit of a um, influence. Certainly. A bit of an influence, yeah. yeah. I have to okay. say, and I, and I knew two guys, one of whom sort of uh, wound up being a bit of an infamous celebrity in some ways, if you like. But I, I worked with these two guys in my first serious hospitality gig at the Bourbon and Beefsteak. Oh, okay. Who'd both <laughs> um, who'd both been uh, reservists at, at one commando regiment out, out at Mossman and um, uh, their stories and all the rest of it and the life potential of the lifestyle of, of being outdoors a lot and all that just appealed to me so much and yeah. they weren't really bragging they're just sharing what had happened yeah. and some of those stories were pretty funny and I thought yeah. that's that sounds like a life a little bit more interestingly lived than staying up all night working in a bar and sleeping all day yeah and those smoke rooms I remember those rooms I used to be this I used to sing on stage and of course you're about and Matt of course would know this being many gigs down there even at the basement for many you'd, you'd go in there and you could sit with the people sitting down you know there was no smoke but the level of the smoke was from the ceiling to about eight feet below. And, of course, that's where you're singing through, you know. <laughs> People then brought out smoke machines. What the hell are you yeah. doing, man? We don't need this. Um, so, anyway, yeah, sorry. Um, it's funny you should say the basement. I worked at, prior to going full-time, I did a bit of time there as a doorman at the basement. Oh, did you? I knew Chris, Chris Reynolds. Matt, yeah. Matt worked there. You Chris, Richards. Made, Chris Richards. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Richard's here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking, Matt, you do look very familiar, yeah, so yeah. perhaps it's from those days that I might Perhaps you turfed me out a few times. <laughs> <laughs> you don't turf out the artist, Matt. You never turf out the artist. <laughs> oh, that's happened a few times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I found myself um, the second time around, uh, after I'd left the reserves, I was working doors and trying to get the speaking going, and I'd, early 2000s I was working on internet marketing before it was a big thing, and struggling to get that going and I just decided look I need more life experience Wonderful. I kind of regret stopping my websites back then I had a database of a thousand people just through yeah which yeah, was right. pretty good for back then yeah. for just a newsletter back then I was calling it mental toughness but um, right. I got in I got back in and I thought that my background in the reserves and, and what I'd done would set me up and it did yeah. um, pass caught up with me and I thought I'd become a radio operator so I joined the chorus signals and um, I was so keen to get away from my previous life that when they handed out the contracts for us to sign on the, the day we got sworn in at Parramatta Recruiting Centre, yeah. uh, my return of service was six years and um, the contract I got said four and I got them to correct it. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I've got to move away from this old lifestyle. Why doesn't that surprise me? Mm, so... Um, yeah, and then I got in and was down at the down in Melbourne and uh, passed. Yeah, like I said, passed caught up with me. They said, "Yeah, would you like to go to four hour, What was four hour, hour at the time?" I said, "Yeah, that'd be great." And next thing you know, I'm up there and we're we're plugging away. I got there in 2008, and 2010 was my first deployment. Yeah, right. 
and so straight into Afghanistan? Yeah, straight in. Um, I was a platoon uh, signaller, so I had a platoon of 30 guys to look after all the communications and, and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, that, they were four, four and a half months deployments back then. Right. And I stuck it out for three and a half months of the four months. I had some pretty bad experience of bullying from a platoon commander. Yeah. There's a term called kin- uh, a kinetic, f- you know, when things go pear-shaped and you have a lot of gunfights, it's, it's termed kinetic, if you like, right. which um, might sound quite removed. Those, anyone who's ever read Dave Grossman's book on killology, uh, on killing, yeah. um, will know, we'll, we'll be familiar with the fact that we tend to remove ourselves. People oh. that do it and are around it a lot remove themselves from with the language they use and I think it's some sort of buffer from what actually happens right. to, to help as a, as a coping strategy and like even even the people who have served in the military won't refer to bullets as bullets they're rounds mm. you know there's, there's terms that are used to, to distance it's a different it's a different language isn't it really because but it's you know bullets I guess are outside of the military are, you know they sound like it's something you either use at a uh, shooting range, or but you, you say know, rounds it, to the actual, murder. Yeah, you, you know, say it, rounds to the average person who's never experienced that. And they've got no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it was. Well, yeah. So largely not connected. We didn't get a lot of gunfights. I had. Uh, we did have a couple of little things here and there, but nothing major. A couple of bushmasters went over with roadside bombs, but this bullying was just um, really tough to deal with. And I've spent hours on my psychologist's couch talking at length about how I've learnt to deal with and come to terms with that, that experience. Um, at the three and a half month mark, uh, for the sake of my mental health, as I noticed things were not going in the right direction, I um, removed myself. I put my hand up and said, I want to go work in the radio room instead, which I learnt to type really quickly yeah. <laughs> uh, for, and receiving incoming comms. And then... Um, Things were coming along, and, and I remember that was, that was obviously granted. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, it, was that an easy changeover process, or did, you know, this guy was. that was bullying you, did he try and you know prevent that from happening? Or no, nah, well, he tried to encourage me to stay, but oh, right. my oh, yeah, okay, but in in, in a very <laughs> oh, no, you're know, punching back. Well, <laughs> in a very difficult, you could yeah. see that this guy was hating the fact of what was going on, right. but um, yeah, yeah. yeah, in a very difficult sort of way, he was trying to encourage me to stick around and I was like, look, there's nothing you can say that's going to change how I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, from there, that was going okay and, and one of my mates at the time who's since passed away, uh, I remember my whole platoon. So I want you to see this face want to hear me Turn on the light 
It's Mary's Bell, Matty wow. Thomas on the uke. Beautiful. Oh, that was incredible, beautiful. isn't it? Isn't he amazing? He's wow. so clever. Thank you. That right hand of his, <laughs> Thank that, you just, so. that ring, ringing the bell through the uke, it's just. That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah, yeah love you, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's very special. Um, Moving, man. Like you said. I, I told you he does this. You told this. me, man. <laughs> gives it, I, get, I get goosebumps, you know. Sometimes I was saying to Craig, he can come out with these just... You know, I've said this on the last show, I think it was on. His most angelic, beautiful, summery chords, and yet the end of the song we were all crying, you know. Um, mm. but like a fine wine, man. It's a beautiful... Yeah, yeah. Oh God, you just... <laughs> well, Matt, uh, Kubler-Ross, um, you know, she's been around a long time. Um, around death and dying and all that sort of, um, sort of related fields. And she said, don't allow your senses to be numbed or indifferent. And she said um, that your true humanity rises out of your senses, um, being fully alive to the reality of your experiencing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking about recovery, um, but we're also talking about optimism and resilience. But your gift is um, in creating music out of what it is that you feel so intensely. And that is a gift. And, you know, we're beneficiaries of that. Oh, how hum we want. Um, you know, uh, whoa, absolute yeah, beneficiaries. Yeah, extremely so grateful beneficiaries. So sometimes you might feel um, sometimes overwhelmed, but I'm telling you, that's your instrument. Um, and we're forever grateful for, for that. Yeah, very much, man. That was just... I hope everyone listening can hear it and feel it the way we've felt yeah, it here because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. like a full body experience right there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's a very, very kind thing to say, boys. Um, you know, uh, I don't often see my good mate Matt moved and um, it was just uh, very beautiful uh, for you both. Thanks. Um, it's just a bit of a moment. And Speaking uh, of that kind of experience and feeling, um, I am, well, okay, so <laughs> my upbringing was pretty traditional, you know, went in Christian sort of family upbringing, went to around church. Around the table, that till, yeah, TV till I, off. And my grandfather was an Anglican priest, and although I never met him, we got fathers brought up in a church and we made go along, and <laughs> I said, uh, until I got to the age where I could come up with good enough excuses not to go. Um, but probably around the age of 16 I stopped attending regularly but um that aside I'm I'm very I feel very connected to a lot of things and I've had um a couple of readings over the years from different people and some of the things that they've told me about my capacity in that sort of space is is quite humbling so um I honestly feel believe that there's times when I feel people around me that I've that have passed on that I've served with and I, I can't quantify that or guarantee it but it's like yeah. an energy you get around you and it's yeah. it's a really nice confirming type of experience sometimes yeah, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> um earlier because uh, i started my career in the military i was infantry to begin with and so i've always felt an inf- affinity with the infantry um they like to call themselves god's core <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but um i uh i went earlier this year because i've been researching who else is in the marketplace uh for men's uh seminars and i went to a seminar and I, you know, I didn't really enjoy the seminar an awful lot, but at lunchtime I, I came back and it was in the city and I walked past the Royal Australian Regiment uh, Memorial, which for those who don't know, that's our, our, all of our infantry units form out of that in some way. Um, 
and I just paid my respects, you know, and I, I felt a presence around me and I felt something tapping me on the shoulder and I, I really felt that I don't want to... I, I want to try to do these friends of mine who have passed on who were all infantry corps. Mm. I want to do their memory justice in some way. So that's a, mm. one of my key drivers at the moment and mm. for what I'm doing and, and part of the reason I'm here. So, uh, yeah, I think it's mm. important to acknowledge when you feel those energy around yeah. you and yeah. I've heard a number of things uh, uh, from... Uh, psychics and so forth about what's happening on the other side and you can either believe that or not but oh, I think it gives you a bit of comfort and I don't, I don't mind it I don't think there's anything wrong with that so yeah. um, but it, it certainly helps a bit to know you're doing alright on, on the other side for when the, the final days come I suppose um, but yeah I'm no expert in that space but I, I find mm. it very very interesting and mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's very interesting too that um, you know the, the world that we see uh, but it's the, the world that there's uh, in the background or unseen, um, but it, it's definitely there. And you, you start to tune into um, the, that there's more going on than what our senses, uh, obvious senses, um, might appreciate. Um, then, then it is to do depth work, to go into a deeper place. And it's surprising the conversations or the, um, uh, the, uh, um, the energies that can sort of kind of uh, um, emerge and um, and reveal themselves. Um, I remember standing on the grave of um, two Maori uh, chiefs um, in, in Parihaka in um, the North Island of New Zealand. And as I um, and they, they were prophets, um, and they practiced um, passive resistance well before Gandhi, um, you know, pop, uh, was famous yeah. in his passive resistance movement. Um, and I just started to shiver and shake. Um, just standing in, the, in their presence, something was actually sort of uh, uh, reached, it, saying to me, uh, you know, um, you're here on consecrated land, um, um, but tell us who you are. Yeah. And, um, and that was a quite an extraordinary sort of movement of energy. It's a bit like you, you, it, when energies take hold of you, they're either constructive energies or, the, or they are um, energies that are... A suck you by. They want to suck something from you, um, and you, you know when when that when that when you're no longer willing to carry that, and you um, and um, you, you you let go of that um, capturing energy, um, there is a profound sense of re release. Um, yeah, very so true. I think uh, I think letting learning to let go of various things can be quite therapeutic. Yeah, absolutely. I um, it's funny with the um, the different energies that you, you spoke about and. And being surrounded by some of those, some funny things can occur. I've on my second deployment to Afghanistan, I was looking around because some guys were like investing quite a lot of money in. You can buy a lot of gemstones over there, and it's it's not the A grade quality that you would get in the West, but it, there's a you know you can make some money. And I heard stories of guys spending thousands of dollars to make a few thousand back, and yeah. I, I thought that wasn't really the best way to go about doing it. But I wanted something to, you know, to remember the place by, and so I looked around and had a bit of a sniff, and came across this blue stone called lapis lazuli. Apparently, mm. if you're esoterically minded, it comes, it helps with psychic attack. So in my uh, wow. Teams calls, Microsoft Teams calls now, if someone's carrying on, I just put a you bit put on it my on forehead, forehead as a joke. But <laughs> it doesn't mean that it isn't true. And uh, I came back. I ended up by the time I got home, I ended up I'd sent home about 25 kilos of the stuff. And um, wow. occasionally I'll try and sell a bit. It's got a good value if you can find someone to buy it. Yeah. Um, but one time we found this really great people in, in Newtown who bought a little bit off me, and they said, "Oh, if you want to go and speak to some people, there's a psychic fair on." Um, 
And so my wife and I went down to Canterbury Hillston Park RSL to the Psychic Fair. And we walked in and the energy in the room was so full on. There were some guys and, and ladies up on the stage trying to give readings, like a, like a John Edwards type yeah, uh, yeah. thing. And it felt like this really big blockage and it felt like as if the, there were people on the other side and they couldn't come through. Yeah. And these, these people were trying their best and I don't think yeah, they were particularly yeah. good at this. <laughs> but anyway, I said to my wife, let's just go and get a beer. This is too much. <laughs> just the energy itself yeah. was overwhelming. And yeah. so... Uh, we did that and then she decided... Yeah, I feel that sometimes. I understand uh, what you're saying. Yeah. I never had it that strong. Yeah. And so we had a beer and then a bit later on, there were some interesting characters there selling lapis and, th- and other stones and I'd been, you know, bullshitted quite significantly by some yeah. of these people. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we got a reading with someone, my wife wanted to, and I sat in on it and I just felt this guy was completely full of it. Yeah. And that was probably my first ever experience with a reading and then... Yeah. Sometime later, she said to me, because um, she was then working as a massage therapist, she came home and she said, oh, a guy came into the gym doing work experience. And I thought that was a bit odd. And she said, we got talking and it said he gives readings apart from being a truck driver. Um, and so she swapped a massage for a reading. She said, I'll do the same for you. And the stuff the guy told me that day in that reading, I was feeling disturbed for a week. Wow. <laughs> it was that yeah. good. So, mm-hmm. look, there's people and there's people, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've seen that show, Shut Eye? No, I haven't. It's, uh, it's about... Um, uh, psychics and uh, you know it's all across Los Angeles it's quite funny it's, wow. it's, it's got uh, I can't remember his name an Australian guy who plays the main role he's like the head of one of these families that they have all psychics and they've got to give all the money to the boss you know it's like mafia psychic <laughs> it's very very good very entertaining nonetheless shut up so look it up. yeah check it out I want to I want to ask now Craig I mean you've as Bodhi said you did you did lose some mates and you know that that seems to be Continuous. It's you've lost six mates. It's like it's not, you know, stopping. I've lost a couple of friends myself. I'm of course very lucky to be here. Um, and We're all lucky that you're here, mate. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I'm sure there's a few people that don't think the same, but anyway, but but they still love me. It's a them problem. <laughs> That's right. But you know, I guess what I like to talk about is: Did you see signs? Um, and what is it that you think? we could do um to prevent or or mm-hmm. or what to ask um i guess just to give some of the listeners an idea or an insight into your toolkit which i like to talk about i'm really glad you asked um okay so the first okay so five of the six that have passed i wasn't regularly in the company of mm. however they were people i would not have expected and the second one <coughs> no sorry the first i left and about a year on, I had um, first mate pass away. I'd finished my first contract in my current field and had a few weeks, I think it was another role starting or something, and I got word that this had happened. I got notification of the funeral and I went to the, the funeral and what had happened was that this guy, um, Todd Chidgey, had, um, nobody expected it. He was laughing and joking with the guys one minute and they were overseas on a... Um, uh, protective security detachment which is looking after dignitaries and stuff in yeah, Afghanistan yeah, okay, okay. apparently walked into a, another room of a building not far away and shot himself oh, and did it like that um, and apparently nobody could tell I've the <coughs> the mate that touched me the, the most was the most difficult was um, a friend called Luke Hearn who ended his life in October last year and we were catching up regularly 
um, and he was working in project services for uh, Deloitte and was looking to get into change and I was able to help him. I'd found him a really strong mentor and we're about to start and we talked regularly, we're talking weekly and um, we were about to start the process. He was going to catch up with us the following week on a Monday for a coffee and um, never showed up. Did you see that? Did you see any change in him at all? Did his shirts hanging out? His hair was messed up. Just nothing. he was bald. <laughs> so that, right. but uh, not That'll always help. dressed impeccably. Always seemed to have it again. We talked about a few things, but I'm now to the point because it's so hard to tell. Oh, well, that's right. I'm yeah. now to the point with when I start working with somebody. First question I ask is, "How's your mental health?" And yeah. Second yeah. question I ask is, "Are you getting checked up?" Yeah. And Terrific. a friend recently. Um, and I've been in touch and he's got great project management background and construction and he's looking, you know, I was talking to some people um, within Sydney Trains about helping him to get awareness at the very least of, of roles that are coming up. Yeah. And one of the, the senior people I was talking to who was very interested in him said, they're going to want to know what his mental health is like and that sort of thing. So I just mm. called him up and said, look, I'm really sorry I haven't asked yet. Do you get checked? And he go, I, I said, I need to know. Um, because of Luke's suicide. And when I told him I made it suicide and I hadn't asked, he was like, oh, God, shit, I see why you need to ask. Yeah. And that's the funny thing. <coughs> One of the things that I do with my friends, and I think this is probably the, the biggest thing in my toolkit, is whenever we catch up, I always put mental health on the agenda of what we're going to talk about. Mm. I make people talk about it. I bring it up. And I ask and I wait if I have to until I get an answer. And yeah. I bring that up when I talk about my own. Often I'll open with my own yeah. situation, how things are going, uh, and make it okay and safe for them to feel that they can talk. Um, Very good. It's, it's mm -hmm. vital. Uh, and I think it's probably one of the most important things. If you hear anything, I've got a really good mate who has a podcast, funnily enough, and um, he is one of my best friends, he was an MC at my wedding, he supplied our force element with coffee on my first deployment, he gave us so much coffee it wasn't funny, he used to be a coffee roaster and um, he said to me, things were pretty dark, I go, and we'll catch up for lunch not long after, I said, okay, explain it, define yeah. it, come on, come yeah. out with it, tell me everything what's going on, because mm. I knew that his father had suicided yeah. and I said, um, talk to me about it. Because I start straight away, I said, well, you know, you might have been a reservist many, many years ago, but you still qualify for BVCS or what's now open arms counselling. I said, go along. He goes, well, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, well, you're talking language. You're talking dangerous language. You're saying things like dark. I need to know. Yeah. And so uh, I get that. I think we've all got that currency with people who may be going to commit that. We just don't feel that we do. You've got to own it. You've got yeah. to be prepared to get in their face. You've got to go there, don't you? Because this is life and death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We are at that stage now. This is life yeah. and death. You can't afford to let that situation pass without yeah. you having at least just annoy them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because if, they, if you annoy them and they, and they survive, you've, it was worth it. You know, it's – I mean – Matty and I, we, we go there all the time. You know, we, we both uh, suffer our own demons and battles. And I think the, the good thing is that, it, it, you know, for me, obviously being able to do this show, it's, uh, it's given me much more of a purpose in life. But it's also led me to understand not just myself, but, but many others and how they deal with things. And, and hearing you share how you go about it, I think is... Um, you know, there's a lot for people to take away from that. I think, you know, to really go there and, and, and just go straight at it. The first opening point of, of a discussion, um, particularly if it is someone close, um, even if it's your work buddy. I, I, I do it with I, people I'm that at, don't I, know. I, I truly think that even if, you know, like you're having a sales meeting, 
um, you know, the sales manager, I should say, you know, you're going at it. The, the current environment that we're living in, um, you know, the, the first thing that was always to the forefront of many people's minds on the back of the global financial crisis, of course, and I mentioned this, if you look at North Bridge at Camaray, which was built by the convicts, it's a sandstone bridge, they were losing four and five blokes a day jumping off there, so they put massive steel railings. Well, they thought that this would, you know, absolutely quadruple in, in you know, rates of suicide, but the fact that we've learned from there that we've that companies are teaching people mental health, that mates are starting to talk to mates, we've managed to be able to maintain a slow suicide rate, thankfully. Thank good for that. Mm. Um, yeah, you, I've, I've brought it up with mates. I remember the week after, um, uh, or the week of Luke's funeral, my, my mate had passed in October, I went to a wedding of all things, and um, I, I knew one of the guys, a couple of guys I started talking to at the wedding, and I just said, man, my anxiety has been through the roof this week and um, it's been really tough. And straight away, I, I only knew one of them and not very, very well, but I knew him well enough. And the other guy, if, I don't think for a conversation like that it matters, but the other guy didn't know it all and was quite happy to share. And next thing you know, we're all talking about a mental health and mm. I'd hit it off. And So don't be afraid of doing that. Um, the stigma only exists in your head and yeah. it doesn't need to exist at all. Yeah. So be prepared. I mean, the pro getting back to the toolkit thing as well, um, I uh, have been diagnosed with PTSD, generalised anxiety disorder, alcohol misuse disorder, I think it's called. Correct me if I'm, uh, my terms aren't 100%. And um, major depressive episode or something like that I had as well. Um, yeah. And I manage all of that. I knew anxiety was my, my main one. Thank yeah. God it's not depression, but I knew it was anxiety. Um, and I manage that when things get too much. I, um, I've got a psych that I go to and thankfully yeah. every time she's got the time to be able to see me. If not, I'd have to find someone new, which never is never easy. No. Um, I was lucky I got her first attempt, but um, I've, had to, I've attempted to try with other people when she's been not available and it hasn't worked. So it's, it, keep in mind, I think... Um, not not trying to name drop or anything, but I, I met Gus Wallen a little while ago, and yeah. we, were, we were chatting about that kind of thing. And he, as you would, and he said um, something like it takes six times on average to find someone that works, and most yeah. guys give up after the first one or two. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's that's very true. Yeah. Um, I remember this guy came up um, to see me, and he walked up the stairs to my consulting room, um, and. Um, I sort of bounded down the stairs to actually sort of kind of greet him. And he took one look at me and he said, hmm, this will work. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bloody word had been said. And this guy was a dry, dry, uh, a dry guy. Um, um, and he's an insurance uh, agent, but he was straight as. And um, yeah, he just took one look at me. It'd be there's Bodie with his sleeves he's rolled up, he's holding the jumper and his hands with that, bloody yeah, soil all over them from his veggie this'll bed. My first impressions are a huge thing, aren't they? You know? Yeah. When okay, so when my after the first psych I saw after my mate passed, I should have waited. I've I sort of forced myself a little bit at the moment. It's not, I don't advise people to do this, but I managed to be able to get away with it. Is if I can't see my psych, I'll, and it's a couple of weeks, I'll tough it out for the couple of weeks just because yeah. getting somebody else can be frustrated and mm. frustrating and I took whoever was available one day and this guy started to tell me that the grief wouldn't would get worse after the, my mate's funeral well yeah. for me when funerals happen grief tends to stop at that yeah. intensity it, it reduces significantly and I, I had the shits about that because I thought well 
who are you to tell me how I'm going to grieve? Yeah. And when I finally caught up with my psyche and was busy having a whinge about him, I said, I'd, I'd purposely stop grieving to spite the guy. Yeah. And I don't believe I'm alone thinking that. <laughs> so it's not, not the guy's fault. It was just the right, wrong, no, yeah. not the right, not the right psych for me. That's, yeah. all that, that's all that means. It doesn't mean he's a bad yeah, psych or anything. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I've had a similar experience. Um, I, I think it's an extremely valid point. You say that it can take on average, or what Gus, you know, says sometimes up to six, you know, on average. I, I've seen a number over the years. Um, I think. You know, and Bodes and I have talked about this. We did an episode, Psychotherapist, First Patient. Um, and I think that for a lot of blokes particularly uh, that haven't, you know, that had, had you know, um, I guess uh, anxiety or depression disorders from a young age that come across from, you know, grief or PTSD issues that all of a sudden come into their lives. A lot of blokes kind of have that mindset of what's he going to do once he gets in, or she going to do once she gets inside my head, and it, oh, and how much is this going to cost? And so I think the big thing is um, to understand that there's really nothing more important than your health, and and personally for me, I don't think there's really anything more important than your mental health. Um, Agreed. But there's there's a system out there at the moment where you know if you're struggling for coin you can get um, a number of uh, sessions with psych- psychologists. Um, of course, there's you know you've got Bodie who's a psychotherapist. They uh, if it's a difference, I guess it's a, a lot more therapy um, uh, than anything. You know, we, we we talk about the 33 and a third, which is when you're acute. Some people go and get some medication. It really shouldn't be seen as uh, the cure, because I really don't think that antidepressants are the cure for depression. I agree completely. Um, it's, it's doing the therapy, the hard work, and also some physical exercise to get the mind ticking. You know, we were talking yeah. earlier about the walk and talk that you, you got involved with down there at Penrith. It's not the same as Shannon Evans, but nonetheless, it's great that it's... I think it's for men too, isn't well, it? Yeah, it is. It's Penrith Men's Walk and Talk. They <laughs> meet on a Thursday um, at Nepean River there, opposite the coffee club. Coffee club, or many sponsors, provide all the coffees. You show up, you get a free coffee or a cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and it's, according to Gus, it's the biggest one in the state. Wow. They get on average 100 guys or minimum about 100 guys every time. Wow. Um, I did a promotion there the other week. I gave away, um, the other month, I gave away 100 beanies um, for my Facebook community, Men's Mental Health Transformation, um, and did a little very brief talk. They only gave me five minutes, which for someone like me, I open and close my mouth and (laughs) 15 minutes is finished. Um, So that was a bit of a challenge, which was always fun. But um, they're a great group. And honestly, I felt... I've many times been there, at least in the early days, and I struggled to to really sort of feel a connection. Now I'm feeling a connection so much yeah. more, and it'll it'll be different for everyone. But honestly, uh, it's it's a phenomenal thing. And if you if that's something you can make, I think they they walk from six, and then in daylight savings they walk from seven in the evening. And if you can yeah. get yourself along there, it's it's one of the greatest things you can you can yeah. really do. Even if you are end up being the one helping someone else, yeah, that's right. That happens too. Yeah. There's also one that's on it in the Blue Mountains, which is on a mm. Thursday as mm. well. Um, but it's the Mid Mountains Walk and Talk, and that's at Mesabare that we talk about. It's yeah, uh, awesome. Andrew Lawson, Andrew mm. Wilson runs. Mm. You wanted to say something, Bates? Yeah, um, was, we're talking about um, men's mental health, and I just, um, you know, what's exciting, isn't it, is that we're starting to free up inside ourselves our inhibitions about talking about what's really going on. And I just love what you just said, Craig. You know. Uh, um, 
about, um, you know, when someone says, oh, yeah, I'm not travelling that well, or I'm a little dark, you know, you've you got to grab those moments um, and have a real conversation and say, look, I'm not letting you go and, and, until, we, until we really flesh this out because, yeah. um, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you've engaged me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. not going to let go. You get your hooks in. You get your hooks in. You don't yeah, let yeah, go. You get your hooks yeah. in, absolutely. And, um, you could and end up on suicide watch. Yeah, yeah. And, and have the, have the talk... That um, or the necessary talk, or the deep talk, or the real talk, whatever words we use here, um, that is about wrestling with the uh, the angel of death yeah. and um, and bringing light and life back into mm. sort of focus again. So, we, so we're starting. I think we're starting to recognise that there are conversations that we don't have enough of um, that enable us to. Um, to, to grow up or to, to take stock of ourselves and actually say the same old, same old ain't working and I've got to do something different and I've got to open up and I've got to explore something of my history and make sense of it so that um, I can begin to consider what a new beginning would look like for me. Absolutely. You know, that's Indeed. really crucial. That's strong, though. And the yeah. way I look at it, we don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have no yeah, choice absolutely. anymore. Yeah, we have 100%. to do this. Isn't an if or but. This we have to do this. Yeah, yeah. we have to do this. Um, the other thing yeah. I'm I'm sort of really aware of this, you know, right now is something about PD PTSD also shows up in domestic violence situations. It doesn't. It's not necessarily just a you know a phenomena that comes out of um, the, the military forces. Of course, yeah. Um, so there's that tragic case of a guy who. Uh, um, um, of the, the, the woman who took her own life, the mum, um, because her two children were killed by her, um, you know, ex-husband, um, and um, you know she just she couldn't face the reality of on, ongoingness, and um, so uh, you know there. There's a lot of trauma around domestic violence, and I think uh, us men have to take us um, have to really let in that that's a real scourge um, that happens in a domestic front. Um, and you know we need to take some we need to take a lot of responsibility for th for that sort of stuff and make sure that we understand that our uh, that we have a domestic responsibility. Absolutely, uh, mm, yeah, very um, much. Yeah, we we I mentioned something on Facebook the other day yeah. uh, in relation to us. Yeah, to us, um, and I might even you know I'm sure Craig wouldn't mind getting involved with this, but. Um, you know, uh, putting together a group in regards to, uh, you know, a, a course for men or to become, you know, I guess, uh, better men and understanding process of emotions and um, all sorts of things, I think. Uh, but uh, we'll get we'll get to get together further on that and uh, put something together. Yeah. Um, Maddie, I was going to see if uh, you could give us one more, mate, if you're yeah. up for it. Um, totally. And uh, Bodes, if you could swing around uh, Craig's mic for me and just, and just tilt it downwards. I'll just turn it off so it doesn't bang in. And just tilt it down, that's it. And I'll, it's quite a, a strong mic. Talk to me, baby. What do you got? All right. So this is a song called Bless You. It's that's for Corona, is it? <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> um, it's about... Forgiveness and overcoming memories of particular times where we acted and subsequently we feel we want forgiveness 
And sometimes that's hard. We want to forgive ourselves, you know, or we yeah. don't want to forgive ourselves. We want to thrash ourselves. But or punish ourselves, don't punish we, you know? Ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, after a while, you. if you punish yourself long enough, the absence of punishment is a foreign land. And so you can drag yourself back into bad habits because you want to inhabit some place that you understand. Sure. And so we have to learn that feeling of normality, you know, of good normality before, you know, before it's taken over by a normality that's not good for us, I suppose. Anyway. Sounds very Johnny Cashish. Nobody can ever tell. 
promises that you made to me a sweet long time ago it's Matt Tonks uh, bless you uh, it's one I've not heard, actually, that uh, Matt's played. It's a, what a journey. That's, it was a complete journey, wasn't it? Once Often again, it that's beautiful. Away. Thank you so much. Um, thanks, Matt. Uh, wow. it's, uh, it's not been an easy uh, morning for Matt. And, um, you know, I'm just forever grateful he comes in and, mm. and I backs it up as a true professional. I and get more out of it than I give. I know it. Yeah. Well, that's really yeah, good. To that's know. a good thank you, man. That's <laughs> because an awesome, we get a lot, so thank you. That's an awesome thing to say, Matt. Because I, yeah, to, you know, I certainly get a hell of a lot out of it. Don't worry about that. But um, of course, uh, you can uh, get hold of any of Matt's uh, music in any good record stores, or of course on iTunes. His latest album, Synesthesia, is uh, is out. Katoomba um, Music got copies of it. I'm pretty sure. Um, that's actually called Bird and Tree Men. Oh, Bird and Tree Men, I beg your yeah, pardon. Because music's got some of that, yeah. Okay, Bird and Tree Men. Or in Bandcamp. That's right, Bandcamp. Yep. I beg your pardon, yeah. Bandcamp. And of course... Uh, How would I pick it up digitally if I'm an Android user? Is there a you get it on Android? iTunes. Yeah. Uh, well, you can go to iTunes. Um, you can listen to my first album on Spotify. Um, but if you're online, then um, just go to Bandcamp and you can just stream it. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll yeah, definitely we'll be going there today. Thank you so much. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. And also, too, I'll mention uh, Nick Danter, of course, uh, another Beautiful local singer, a fantastic songwriter and puts uh, tremendous uh, lyrics and, and work. the way he puts things together. Uh, Nick is uh, he's quite a talent, so tune in for next week's uh, show with Nick. Uh, very good of him to come along. It's, it's been difficult for him to sort of get away when he can, but... Uh, yeah, he's a he's a, a terrific bloke, Nick. So we've got him on for next show. Oh, wow. So we're coming to the back end of, of the show, Craig. And um, mate, first of all, thanks for, for coming on, making the trek up the up My up pleasure. The hill to it's been an absolute privilege to be able to come and, and It's got talk. to be 10 degrees cooler up here, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, emphasis on the cool. It's really, really nice. A little bit nippy, but that's, that's <laughs> just how it is. Actually, I'll go and have a look now. I think we're at... Uh, what, uh, it's coming up here. Well, we're at 14 degrees, but it's, what gets me is the feels like. The feels like 10. Yeah, you I wonder know, how they determine that. Yeah. Um, I, I guess they go and ask someone like me and say, I'm freezing. <laughs> One of the things um, that was important for that military journey, I think I got us up to where things were bad yeah, and things sure. were not getting good in a hurry. I remember around about that 2010 period and catching up with friends not long after and, and just being a bit all over the place, like, really. And still for quite a while after that, not knowing if I was ready to, to do that again or if I was just going to fade away or what I was going to do. And, uh, it was a period I, of being lost, you're saying, at that stage. Oh, I was lost, nowhere. Yeah. I was lost. Um, and the next year I was on domestic counterterrorism uh, duties wow. for the first time um, as part of Tag East. That was really – that was interesting, but – in between the um, the trips, and we were away a lot. If I wasn't on course doing something, because I had two trade models to, to fulfill, I had the signalers one and the commando trade model that I was getting all the courses over and done for, which were pretty tough. Uh, I'd, I'd was drinking a little bit, and I had a. That's where the alcohol misuse disorder diagnosis came from. I found myself drinking a little bit too much red wine on occasion, and I was like, "Oh, I don't like this." Thankfully, it didn't go for long, and I managed to correct that one. But it was. I went up to a course 
at Holsworthy and um, I got chewed out by somebody from the regular army and was like, hmm, he was the commanding officer of that unit. And I, I knew my commanding officer fairly well and we, don't op- we didn't operate like that in yeah. that part of the army that I was from. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go back. There's a little bit less bullshit. Um, and yeah. so I, that sort of solidified it for me. I went back and was determined to make a good journey out of a bad one. And apart from um, getting all that lapis lazuli sent home, <laughs> yeah. um, it was literally life-changing. I'd say my journey for post-traumatic growth definitely came out of that deployment. I got over there. I thought I'd just be sitting in the radio room again getting my, you know, twinkle fingers going with my typing skills. I've, I learned to type in my trade course and just really enjoy doing it. It's a weird little thing that I have that I like getting on Type Racer online <laughs> and testing my skills. Um, and day two, they said to me, oh, we've got a job for you if you're interested. They said, uh, we need a mentor to teach HF radios to the partnering force who are Indigenous oh, pastorists. Yeah. Man, that was the most awesome journey and experience I could have hoped for. Um, and these guys, I said to them on day one, I said, I'm a guest in your country and anything we achieve together, we will achieve because wow. of you. And my job is to help you to see that. I said, lack of formal schooling does, has no bearing on your intelligence. I said, you're very, very smart. You guys survive in this most extreme harsh country. And... Um, one, you know, the guy who worked before me, all credit to him, but he, in the same role, he, um, they weren't able to get the radios even, I don't think, turned on outside the fence uh, to us eventually getting the comms capability working over 200 kilometres away. And uh, I very early on found a guy within their, their group who we were trying to teach the radios to and he kept telling all these stories to these guys and answering all their questions. And the terp said to me, one interpreter said to me one day, do you know what he's saying? I go, you're the interpreter, you're supposed to tell me this. He said, they're asking these questions about how the radios work and he's giving all these great examples of, you know, how the antenna, because HF radios are very, any ham radio operators out there will know um, who might be listening. um, um, It's a very easy, you don't need a degree in telecommunications engineering or something to know, like a mobile phone antenna you couldn't make, but a HF radio antenna you can make with a bit of wire. Um, and he was telling them stories about how they, um, to get a, a water table working, they just urinated on it or they um, tied it to a, um, tied the antenna or attached the antenna to a tank and it, it, it resonated and they got all these things to get comms working. Wow. And so I pulled him aside, I said, <laughs> do you want to do this for a job? He goes, I have a very bad hip. He was the same age as me back then, I was 38. He goes, I have a very bad hip, I can't go on missions as they called them anymore. I said, my job is to come and find you. My whole reason for being here is to find you. And I'll do everything I can to advocate for you so you you become their main trainer. And he knew everything. And so I pushed for that. And um, prior, the night before I I was leaving, um, Ramadan had started. And so the night before Ramadan, he came to see me and he said, you're my best friend. You've done more for me than anybody ever has. Oh, that's beautiful, man. And um, the next day that started and we said our goodbyes and... um, once a week on a Saturday morning we would have a meeting and I'd brief everybody about the state of the comms and how they were going and what our resources were like. And that last day, finally, my friend had shown up who was my replacement from over in the West, um, a good mate, and uh, I was introducing him and, and just turned the whole briefing that I would normally give as part of that wider meeting into just do a big thank you. And um, at the end of that, I said, look, you know, Brett is a different guy to me, but I said, you know, please open your hearts to him like you have to me. And um, uh, if things don't work out, just think, well, things would get difficult, as they may, because different personalities. I said, at least consider that I'll be at home hoping that you guys can work it out. Because, yeah. you know, you've got all sorts of risks. Blue on blue was a risk. 
green or blue, whatever they called it, um, that, that stuff was a potential risk. And they said, um, I had a Pashtun name, it was Hoishal, which meant happy. And they said, Hoishal, you're always Hoishal, is one of their platoon commanders. Got up and said, he said, we wish you a long and happy life back in Australia. You're the best we've ever had. And we just hope that you'll, you know, thank you for all the hard work you've done with us. And the way that that was communicated through the interpreter and, and the moment was like a 10 out of 10 life-changing experience for me. Like get away from professional and achievements, all this sort of stuff. It was the relationships that we built that were just so so profound. I, I just couldn't get over how That's had incredible. a big influence on doing what you're doing now. Exactly. No doubt. From, from exactly. The, from occasion like that or from you know well, words that someone has said to you like that it's such a beautiful thing mate it was man it it's was lovely really awesome so that that sort of turned things around a lot i it wasn't my career wasn't without its hiccups and detractors and bullying was still ongoing in, in, yeah. in some subtler ways by that stage thankfully but um i did still struggle a bit before getting out but that that once that had happened and i'd come back from that deployment i was in the process of finding my way out and i looked around a lot and i asked throughout my network does anybody know what I've just done in this last six months and what that actually a- amounts to. And it was through um, when I was working at Bondi Surf Club as a volunteer, one of the mums who was worked at Westpac said to me, oh, what you did in that six months, that's change management. That's what yeah. you're looking for. Because I, I was an ambassador, I was an instructor, I was a negotiator. I had yeah. all these hats that I wore that we finally that's got wonderful. this thing to work. And that's, yeah. that's what drives what I do in a lot of ways now. And coming from that earlier journey in your life from when you're leaving school to having you know very little influence or of in way of a mentor to so many things mate that's mm. wow it's powerful man so. it isn't it isn't it just a terrific story of craig ball you know absolutely to have, you know we talk about feathers and cat. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. that's what i'm getting off you man just gentle i've, I've, I've got a want bit, uh, to oh, better yourself and be part of the betterment of others I mean, what a what a gift! Thank yeah. Amen, man. Thank you I very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about helping people to see the light, mm. and that's mm. there's a better mm. way, mm. Um, and mm. how we go about doing that. We can often, as men, we're brought up to think you can bottle it up or you can yell and scream about it. But both yeah. of those things, well, bottling it up probably affects a lot of cancers and other illnesses. And yelling and screaming about it just rewards yelling and screaming about it. Well, but, that's right. You know, but by challenging ourselves to to work through that we can mm. what a there word. is a better way what a great word for it mm. with your facebook community is it public mm-hmm. or it is it's public yeah. facebook community you have to join to become okay. a member um you can how find do we it. join yeah you just find it on um facebook just enter men's mental health transformation um i think it's just the sep- the three words should bring it up men's mental health transformation we'll put yeah. that up on the website and also on both pages of mine yep Okay. You got to, there's some questions there. I'd like it if you could answer them, but you don't have to. <laughs> Just send through a request and I'll admit. Um, unfortunately, it is men only. Uh, for any ladies listening, I'm, I apologise for that. But uh, that's the area that uh, I've had the greatest, greatest impact and effect. Um, and it, it, that was largely motivated from the great blue-collar guys I've worked with. Um, mm. And the mm. guys who turn the spanners on the diesel fleets for the XBT, I've, um, if any of them are listening. Um, I've very, I've, that was where I first got my resilience course back on track after, oh. after leaving the military. It was my, one of my first change roles. And they said, oh, what else do you do? Because I was rolling out a computer system that I don't think anyone was interested in. And they go, what else do you do? Because we were getting along. I said, oh, I run a resilience program. Next thing you know, they go, oh, we've got rail safety week coming up next week. You want to run it for us twice a day for five days? And it's about a, back then it was about a two-hour course and I had to show up at seven o'clock every morning and try to sell them on coming. And by the end of the week, the sessions were full and... 
uh, the nicest thing they've said to me since is um, when I first came back a couple of years ago uh, to Sydney Trains, they said to me, do you realise that that course helped us to achieve a thousand days of no lost time injuries? Wow. I've got wow. a video testimonial to that effect. <laughs> that's very Terrific, man. Uh, so that's, and it was basic cognitive psych, REBT techniques, how to use yeah. it, you know, how to, how to accept yourself unconditionally, how to challenge your yeah. behaviours. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what's driven this group. Um, I'm pushing for that. Uh, it's also driven um, a men's online, uh, online men's mentoring program. I'm about to start moving through... Um, hopefully before the end of the month, uh, through, uh, through webinars. And there's a lot of stuff. It's driven everything since getting out, but the mates have really, passing, have really helped focus a lot of things. So we're, we're, there's a lot to work to do, but we're, we're moving yeah, in that man, direction. Kudos to you. And um, we'll Thank put you. it up on the page, Craig. It's been a pleasure having you here. It's, uh, you speak so well, mate. I think uh, these are terrific messages that you've gotten across. I've certainly learned a fair bit from you. Um, I think, uh, you know, if, uh, if I've learned something, then anybody can. It's uh, fair to say, don't you Very reckon, Bates? <laughs> That's saying something, isn't it? <laughs> Do you want to say anything, something, Bates, before we go, mate? Well, um, I was talking to Annette uh, Coulter, my wife. She's an art psychotherapist, and she did 18 months' work with a Vietnam vet. Um, and um, um, using art therapy. And um, his... Um, his skill in describing his experience coming out of Vietnam and the PTSD that he obtained from that um, uh, enabled him to actually sort of develop an artistic uh, career. And some of his work is now in the War Memorial in, in Canberra. Wow. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter, uh, Peter O'Neill. But I, I'd like to read a poem that he wrote before he started the work. Um, you know, and it indicates something of his struggle at the time. So PD is his name, uh, first, uh, first two, 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 two names. PD was just a baggy ass, a private, a crunchy, a grunt. He liked to have a drink with his mates, enjoyed a laugh, a prank and a punt. He went to Vietnam. He went by ship and by choice. He thought it was the right thing to do, brainwashed by Liberty's voice. But he went for a bit of adventure as well, hoping to return with a medal or two with a mind as sound as a bell. Childhood dreams were pushed aside, though, by death, blood, and fears. And all that remained when he came back was hate, anger, and tears. It was a pity, too, for well I knew him when his life was so carefree. Oh, yes, I knew him well, because poor old PD was me. So that's... Uh, um, awesome, um, isn't it? an attempt on his part to describe what was going on for him. And it said that he was full of rage, full of shame, and as that began to be released through his artwork, um, he began to develop self-worth and a sense that he had something to say, and he became an artist in his own right. So shout out to um, Annette for yeah. releasing this man's burden of uh, rage yeah. Um, and so, and, and um, his daughter, uh, Peter O'Neill's uh, daughter, uh, said to Annette, "You saved my father. He, he would have taken his own life. There's no question of that." So, wow. um, you know, there's, there's a, art therapy is a powerful means also for, uh, in terms of the image, and for capturing explicit memory um, also, that is caught. Yeah. yeah, that that Absolutely. is caught in trauma, um, and uh, enabling Peter to be able to start to talk. 
about um, use fine words to describe what had been so terrifying for him and to start to achieve a sense of attending to the wound that he had. So yeah. I, think, I think also for anybody who's thinking they should be starting or, or starting to come around to the idea of approaching a therapist or trying to find a therapist, this is the potential that can come from good therapy. Yeah. You could, it could be entirely life-changing. So don't stop at one. Yeah. If you don't like the first therapist, it doesn't gel. Just keep trying because your life could be transformed and so could the lives of the people that you love and care about in ways you never thought possible. So yeah, definitely reach out if you need to. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't back that up enough. Uh, of course, uh, if, if, if it's okay, can I give... Yeah, Annette's yeah. number. Yeah, yeah. Annette, of course, is uh, Bodie's wife and psychotherapist, Annette Coulter. Um, you can get her on 0408 That's 0408 And, of course, Bodie uh, Marzen, M-A-A-S-E-N, psychotherapist. He's going to test me here. 0424 And, of course... Uh, Matt Tonks, Matt, mate, uh, I'm so sorry that you've had a tough morning, man, but uh, you're the professional that you are. I know that, uh, you know, it's been tough really for the last 12 months that, you know, we're going through. I've, I've had a that that, is, that area of my stage of my life where I had a, a tough period, but, mate, I, I, I learned so much from you, your, your resilience. If you want to talk about resilience and, and the way to can... Uh, control your level of control is just admirable I've, I've certainly learned a lot from that man i love you brother thank you pleasure awesome craig thanks again mate absolute uh, privilege and, uh, thank you we'll have again. to get you on again i'd All love right. to and this group that we're we're looking at putting together i'd, I'd like to uh contact you in relation to that yeah, see if you'd be do. interested in in getting involved yeah some input and some uh, some uh, some maybe just um through the discussion about ideas that you know are starting to work, uh, particularly in getting me to start opening up and talking. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm really impressed with what you were saying. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a th that's uh, the, the show, guys. We look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. I'm not sure if Catherine's coming in, but uh, anyway, uh, if, if so, we'll, we'll be here, Bo and I, and uh, Nick Danter. So thanks very much. <laughs>